Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is a clown on some stilts. It's Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Boo. Oh my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> those I girls were like boo. oh fuck oh god <laughs> it's like a heart attack she said boo <laughs> how are you doing this week brandon uh, I'm, i've survived that's good yeah me too me too yep survived the great australian flood of oh, 2021 did the rain stop yet yeah it stopped here i don't know it's like it anywhere else but hey that's all that matters it's, right? it's all right here <laughs> i've seen some pictures of like the rainwater uh going into the ocean and it looked like garbage Whew. It was a doozy. It just it seemed like it was never going to stop. But then it did. I like rain, but like I wouldn't want flooded rains, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I wasn't like watching the news or paying attention to anything. And rain is like my favorite weather, so I was just like, this is awesome. Yeah. Until uh, you know, people started losing their houses and yeah, that part's all not that awesome. stuff. And I was like, Oh, well this is still kinda awesome, but not <laughs> not as awesome. I know exactly what you're talking about. So, did you do anything awesome this week? <sighs> Played Pokemon Go. God, you're such a nerd. <laughs> yep, that's still happening. It's okay. I played Stardew Valley, so Magic Mansion Farm. Uh, just got a new cow named Kiki, so... <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. It's very fitting. Yeah, well... <laughs> I was dumb, and I accidentally named my other cow Susan, you know, Susan Henderson, and then I was like, oh, I need to make the Midnight Society, so I started with Kiki, she's a cow, and right. uh, yeah, it's going good, going good. What's Stig gonna be? Oh, I didn't even think about Stig, I don't know, a pig maybe, who knows, a rabbit? <laughs> Did the animals in that game poop? No, they don't. Oh, well, Not shucks. as far as I know. I there know. goes that opportunity. I know. Are you ready to just talk about uh, this episode, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Brandon? Yeah. We should. All right, so we just got done watching the third part of the Carnival of Doom, Destroy All Top Hats. I don't know why it's named that, but, like, whatever. What did you think of this episode, Brandon? It's the end. Mm Mm-hmm. That's it? I mean, it's the end of of this. It is, yeah. I didn't think it was bad. I think having Gavin not be a part of the story was to its benefit, because there wasn't a lot of Rachel-Gavin scenes. Yep. So... Yeah. I think it might have been maybe the best part of the three-parter, in my opinion. I think maybe I still like the first the best. I know what you mean. Like, the first like and the nothing, third are kind of... Nothing happens, but <laughs> the setup it's fun. is intriguing. Yeah. I will, I will say, I think that this is the best Midnight Society. Of the three episodes, this is my favorite time with the Midnight Society. And it might be due mostly to Gavin not being there. But also, I just feel like everybody is more pleasant in this episode. Like, all it took was, I don't know, some mind scrambling from Mr. Toppet, and Akiko is not as mean, and Louise is, like, better, and I just, I felt like they were better better people in this episode. They're a fun gang. I would have not minded if they were the Midnight Society going forward for a few seasons. Yeah, I agree. But, you know what, let's, we got a lot to talk about, um... There's a lot of weird, we weird stuff that happens in this episode, so are you ready to just get into it? Yeah. Okay. So this episode doesn't start with a flashback to the previous episodes like the last one did. You know, we didn't get that 20-second quick recap of a 45-minute episode. Yeah, so I don't even know what happened before. Uh, it's an all washed out of my mind, just like, uh, you know, the memories of the Carnival of Doom. So the episode begins with some flashing light bulbs, and it's in black and white, and it looks like we get some backstory for Mr. Top Hat. 
And we're back in 1944. How exciting, Brandon. Uh, some reporters are taking pictures and asking Mr. Top Hat what his inspiration is. Now, Mr. Top Hat is sitting at a desk with a contortionist on it, which was fucking weird. Yeah. He's talking through Why? the gap between her arms and legs. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. Uh, maybe it was very sunny and he oh my just wanted gosh. some shade, so he snapped his fingers and she was like, okay. I, I mean, like, I get maybe they're, like, you know, showing off, like, this girl can be an art. Arch, I don't. <laughs> it makes for a good photo in the the papers. Sure, yeah. He says that his dad had a dream where he'd succeed or something, and the screen like slowly fades into color as Mister Top Hat complains that his dad had the worst luck because he was dealt a bum hand and things never went his way until he got sick and he died. Yep. Then Rest in peace, Mister Top Hat. Top Hat started going. Yeah, after he died. <laughs> When Mr. Top Hat was only just a baby Top Hat is when <laughs> Daddy died. The contortionist flips up and gets off the damn table and he hands Mr. Top Hat a coin as he said that his dad left behind one gold coin. He then tells the crowd that he came to this country for one reason, which was to become the man his father knew that he could be. And he wanted that sweet, sweet American dream. Then he explains that his dad had one good memory as a child and it was of the day the carnival came to town. And further explains that that's why he started up the carnival in the first place. Okay, I'm going to stop though, Brandon. Did you expect to get some Top Hat backstory? I really didn't. Do we need the Top Hat backstory? We really don't. Okay. He's interrupted by a jerk reporter asking why he's behind schedule, but refusing to delay the opening, and that his rides might not be safe for paying customers. He tells the reporter that this shit is nonsense and his carnival is his legacy, which means he wouldn't jeopardize his good name by putting people in danger. Why is there a press conference for this? Dude, I don't know. It's a fucking this traveling just carnival. Like, it doesn't seem like something that would have journalists show up and interview this traveling carnival operator. Well, I'd like to think that this isn't a traveling carnival yet, and that it's just like a big amusement park kind of situation for like a town or something like that. I don't know. Okay. Like some kind of Disney-esque figure. Yeah, I think that's what it wants us to think, but, like, it's a carnival. It's not It's not even an amusement park, but... Eh. Right. It's like one ride. In 1944. We snap back to present day, where Rachel just smushed a baby scorpion. And she walks away. And we warp over to school, where Graham has a weird Game Boy shirt on that has three buttons. I hate his shirts. I don't understand this one especially. Uh, I get that it's trying to be a Game Boy, and they must not have gotten, like, the rights or something to have it, but it's just, w why bother? I don't know. They don't have the rights to anything, but they want they want you to know that yeah. he likes nerdy Apparently, things. Apparently, they didn't have any rights to anything, Are You Afraid of the Dark, except for the name. There's, there is no references at all. Well, okay, there's one. There's one there's reference. One. But that's at the end. He motions for somebody to high-five him, but they don't, so he gives a thumbs up as they walk by. I thought that part was great. Uh, he checks his locker where he has a not-so-elaborate note saying, Emergency meeting. You know where after school. Can't wait till midnight. Rachel. We watch Louise and Akiko open up their lockers too, and they have the same notes. We cut over to the meeting spot where Rachel is sitting and up walks Graham and Akiko and Louise. And Louise asks her if she's okay since she left class after first period and didn't say why. Rachel asks them if they've heard from Gavin. And they say no. 
And Graham's going into some spiel about how their relationship is mostly nonverbal, blah, 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 blah. Then he looks around and says, you know, I've never seen this place in the daytime. And Rachel tells him, actually, <laughs> you have. And he was just there two days ago. Graham tells her, no, he wasn't. And then Akiko looks around saying, it looks less. And Rachel finishes that thought with spooky and an eyebrow raise. Kiko stares at her asking how she knew she was going to say that. And Rachel looks over at Luis saying, Because what else would you say? <laughs> I know, I know. Saying Luis prefers it spooky. And Luis gives her a stare and Graham sits down asking Rachel if she could read their minds. And Rachel tells him no and Luis smacks Graham telling him psychic powers aren't real. And Graham starts saying that he's thinking of a number between one and seven. And Rachel tells him that she doesn't have psychic powers but she does need to tell them something. The gals take a seat, and Rachel asks them when Graham auditioned to join the group, what was the story? Akiko pipes up saying something about a vampire leprechaun, which starts her on an argument with Graham about how the leprechaun isn't a vampire. Rachel ignores that, and she's asking what Akiko's first story was. Apparently it was like a cursed pet shop. I just imagine like Lola's pet shop. I don't know. She asks what Luis's was, and Graham tells her it was an alien abduction story. Akiko is all shitty saying it. It shouldn't count because it was sci-fi. Graham tells her it was spooky, then asks the group if they've seen fire in the sky, and tells this big long story about how his mom wouldn't let him watch it since he was too young, but he watched it anyway, and he realized that he was too young because it scared him. Never heard of fire in the sky before this, gotta say. No, I haven't, but uh, I sure do hate Akiko. <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's just shitty. Well, okay, like let's, you said. Ta- let's talk about this, though, because like, one of the greatest movies ever made is sci-fi and that's alien and that is a scary movie yeah so my two favorite horror movies are alien and the thing which are both sci-fi so those are both horror sci-fi yeah like sci-fi is one of the biggest shut her ass up (laughs) sci-fi horror is like one of the most popular kinds of horror i think but just people who sit there and argue about genre definitions yeah just insufferable agreed Thankfully, I don't know any of those people. Gatekeeping ass out of here. <laughs> Rachel is Rachel sighs, asking them what her story was. And the gang all struggle to remember, saying that they don't know. And Rachel doubles down, asking, So I told a good enough story to join your ranks, but none of you remember what it is? And Graham asks her how that's even huh, possible. You're right. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Rachel hands out some flyers saying, Good questions. We see that the flyers are of characters in her story. Mr. Top Hat, Bartholomew, and there's a third one, but we don't see what it is, I don't think. And Rachel says that she told the story about the evil Mr. Top Hat. Further explains how when they woke up, the carnival was real and was in their town. She tells them that Adam went missing and now Gavin's gone missing. And then says, you've all sat around this campfire telling stories for longer than I know. But right now, you're in the middle of a real one. And we've reached the final act. I know what you're thinking. You're going to say... You can't help me, and then tomorrow or the day after, you're going to change your minds. But I don't have time for that. This can be a story with a happy ending, but only if you decide here and now to believe me. Were you in or out? She looks over at each kid, and Luis says, I guess this is part of the story where the hero gives a really impressive speech. Rachel giggles a little, and Luis asks if she has a plan. And they all stand up, and Rachel tells Akiko they're going to find her phone. She begins to ask Rachel how she knew that her phone was gone, and Rachel tells her that scary clowns took it at the carnival. Rachel explains... They're going to find Akiko's phone, and when they do, they'll find Adam and Gavin, too. And with that, we cut to the opening credits. And I gotta say, Brandon, I think, honestly, that was a really good speech, and they kind of nailed Rachel's inspiring. 
like the Midnight Society here. I thought it was great. Um, I liked that they like recapped the story so far in a natural way rather than having a two minute, you know, here's what happened last time and are you afraid of the dark? Yeah. Rachel is a character here. I thought she was very smart to bring up like the stories and then say like, why don't you remember mine? And then bringing up Akiko's lost phone and, you know, the way that it handles from here to get them to kind of like go along with her. I thought it was really good. She's better in this episode. One thing that I did find annoying was that she kept uh, finishing everyone's sentences. Oh. <laughs> uh, but, but it was always like the dumbest thing. Like when Graham was like, how was that even? And she was like, possible. <laughs> like, that's not impressive. That's the natural conclusion to that sentence. Yeah. And the same thing when Akiko said, how did you know my phone was? And she goes, gone. <laughs> That's, yeah, you got it. I didn't really pay much attention, I think, but that is really fucking stupid. So they're all talking about their first stories, right? But who was the first one of the three to join then if they all know each other's first stories and, like, listen to them? You know what I mean? Uh, There must have been someone who left. The one who gave Gavin the knife, I guess. Yeah, but, like, okay, so Akiko heard Graham's first story to get him initiated Mm -hmm. in. Who listened to Akiko's first story to know what it was? Because Graham, I think, says it's the cursed pet shop. I mean, I guess he could have asked, but like they act like they all heard it. And then there's Louise. When did she join? Because she seems to be the leader, but is she? I don't know. And then you got Gavin, who joined two years ago, so maybe he heard all of them. I don't. I don't know. The timeline of like who joined when is just really weird to me, and I don't think it really matters. No, it doesn't matter. But these are the hard hitting questions. Yeah, I feel like they really didn't think about it. No. I mean, ultimately, it doesn't really matter, but I just kind of thought it was weird. We're back in the episode, and it looks like we're maybe in Rachel's room. She's on a laptop, saying that they know the carnival goes from town to town, and they gotta know where it's at. They push a button, and Akiko says that her phone is in Idaho. Graham says it's the potato state. Louise tells him, yeah, everybody knows that. And then he spots off some crap about Ernest Hemingway writing a book, and and Louise, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Louise (laughs) asks if they really need Graham and Rachel, says, yeah. Then she tells him that she's from Idaho, and the Carnival of Doom stopped at her old town. Oh, shit. Yeah, right. Rachel then asks Akiko if Josie's photos and videos uploaded to the cloud. She tells her, yeah, why? Rachel explains there's a video she shot last night that they need, so Akiko goes to email her. Which, I thought this part was pretty um, smart, too. We jump cut sometime later where Josie emailed back and, and the email says, uh, lol, I don't know where this video came from. I don't remember shooting it. And Rachel clicks the download, and we see it's the it's from the show in the carnival. And the spotlight is on the stage, and we hear but don't see Mr. Top Hat. And standing in frame is Adam. And Graham asks, wait, this Top Hat guy is invisible? And Rachel nods her head saying, magic evil powers. Rachel tells the gang that they need an adult to drive them to Idaho tomorrow, and someone that their parents would trust. Someone with a sense of security. And Akiko's all, Hideo? He would never help us in a thousand years. And we cut over to Hideo, close up on his face, then to Rachel, and zoom to her face, and Hideo says that he might help them. And Rachel looks over at Akiko, who's all, He said might. Hideo tells him that her fan gave a great speech, but if he's going to drive them to a carnival in Idaho, they're going to need more than a speech. So Rachel shows them the video from Josie, and he sees Adam on it, and then tells them he's driving them to Idaho. And Akiko can't believe he's helping them, and asks Rachel to teach her her ways. One of the complaints I had last episode was that I thought they were going to spend way too much time on trying to, like, remind these kids that, you know, the the Carnival of Doom happened and all that. But I think they did it in a really intelligent and quick way. 
and I liked it. Yeah, it doesn't drag on, and it also feels mostly natural. Yeah. But they also still very quickly accept that Mr. Top Hat's invisible in that video. Oh, yes, they do. What's the point of the invisible part? He's like a vampire, I guess. Is he, though? No. Okay. We get some more music that I don't recognize, and we see a police car driving down the road. We warp inside, and Graham and Akiko are arguing about horror. It's kind of a useless scene, so we're just going to skip it. (laughs) We cut over to Hideo putting uh, gas in his car, and then they're back on the road. And we see Rachel flashback to all the good times with Gavin, and Akiko interrupts that, asking for her phone, and she needs to take a picture of Graham because he's sleeping on Louise. Luis wakes up and freaks out a little bit, and then we cut over to a rest stop where Hideo has to go to Tinkletown. He gets out of the car and he goes into the men's room where he goes right to the urinal, but is stopped by a spooky whisper of his name. He calls out, hello? Then he starts barging into the stalls. The lights flicker a bunch and more whispers of his name get him spooked. He looks over at the super clean sinks that would not be there, and yeah. there's just some scorpions pulling out of them. It's like, it's like scorpions are on tap, I don't know. They don't belong there. Over in the urinals, they're overflowing with scorpions. And he goes to leave with the door slams. And he tries to get higher ground, but he is quickly overrun by baby scorpions as he screams for Akiko. Outside, the kids are all waiting and Akiko tells them it's been 14 minutes. Graham says that he had to go really bad, but Akiko's all, no one has to go that bad. The girls suggest Graham goes and check on him. And he suggests Akiko goes because she's his brother. But she's all, I'm not going to the weird men's restroom and graham gets sassy saying did mr top hat make you all forget my severe germophobia akiko's had enough of the shit and she says i'll go so she walks and steps into the bathroom uh find it odd that no one heard hideo's screams like yeah they're not that far away and also i did forget about graham's germophobia well that's because it hasn't been present for like an episode at least an episode which is an entire third of the series (laughs) where it didn't matter at all doesn't come up unless it serves the plot in some superficial way. Well, this is the last time it is ever brought up, I believe, so... He's cured! Alright. <laughs> we did it! Yeah, I thought it was weird that they didn't hear him scream either. I can only assume that Mr. Top Hat, like, Yeah, you can it. just hand wave away a lot of things without magic. Yeah. Demon magic. Akiko's now in the bathroom, and she calls out for Hideo. She doesn't get an answer, she t- so she takes a step in, and the door slams shut. Then she hears the sound of a coin spinning around. She looks down to see that gold coin that spins and then gets sucked into the drain as she goes to grab it. We hear Mr. Top Hat laugh and Akiko looks in the mirror where she sees an image of herself looking at another image of herself in another mirror. And then it laughs. And then Mr. Top Hat steps into the image in the mirror which scares Akiko. And she turns around then looks at the mirror and Hideo is in it with Mr. Top Hat and he's asking Akiko for help. And then it cuts back to Akiko and she screams and she leaves the bathroom. What did you think of all this, like, bathroom stuff? I didn't think much of it. So this is trying to tell us that, like, they're trying to get Hideo out of the way for some reason. Um, I mean, I guess it's just convenience, you know, easier for the kids to shine, whatever. But are they also trying to tell us that Mr. Toppet is, like, watching them the whole time, too? He seems to just kind of be able to go wherever, whenever. Like, very similar to Pennywise. Yeah. He can just kind of show up whenever, but I don't think he's there, like, all the time. But he knows they're coming. Well, he wants them to come. He's bringing them there. Yeah, that's the point. But, like, I'm just going to say, Brandon, there's some missed critical thinking on the kids' part at this point. Not at this point, but, like, 
from this point. You know, I, I just, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, so I think we should just continue. All right. Back outside, Rachel calmly tells Akiko that they'll find Hideo, and Akiko's all, you did this. And Rachel tells her, me? Mm-hmm. Akiko tells the gang, Adam's gone, Gavin's gone, and now my brother's gone. And Rachel tells her that she never put any one of them in danger. And Akiko folds her arms saying, their lives were dope before she came along, and maybe inviting her to the group was a mistake. And Rachel mm-hmm. stares at her for a few seconds before looking sad and saying, not again. And Luis asks, again? And Rachel explains that they were going to have a vote about keeping her in the Midnight Society. Nikiko yells, that's a good idea. She goes on and on about this vote. She will tell anyone, anywhere, (laughs) that they were going to vote to kick her out. She wants it to happen again. She just likes the attention. I don't know. Grant breaks that shit up saying that he knows tensions are high, but they should just take a breather. Nikiko walks away and Graham says that he's never seen her so upset. Rachel walks over to the cop car. (laughs) Her family isn't kidnapped by supernatural beings on the rag? (laughs) Rachel walks over to the cop car saying that they'll find Hideo but they gotta keep going and she looks inside and sees the keys are still there so she grabs them and says if only one of us could drive and Louise tells them well one of us has a learner's permit and they look at Graham who says no way I don't even like driving regular cars you know that and you expect me to drive a cop car are you insane there's no way I'm getting behind the wheel of that thing up walks Akiko saying that he can't use his germophobia to get out of this one Mr. Top Tat took her brother so, you my friend or what? And she hands him the keys and he takes he takes them and then we cut inside of the car where Graham is driving. Yep. They have stolen a cop car. <sighs> and they're driving to Idaho. Over state lines. For some reason, they start like heckling Graham and he's asking him if he's going to throw up. And Rachel tells him that he's driving too slow. And he asks if they're almost there. And Akiko yells that he's only driven two miles and we see a sign saying that Idaho state line is 45 miles away. And we see the police car kind of slowly drive by it. So, yeah, I guess the Carnival of Doom is just like a raid on the state line. Yeah. Because we cut over to the Carnival of Doom and then zip to the gang getting out of the cop car. And they run up to a big fence and look out and see the carnival. And man, the green screen wasn't great. No, it wasn't. I think maybe they blew their budget. In the earlier parts of the series, because there were quite a few moments, like the the mirror scene in the last mm, with Akiko, like the, yeah, it didn't look great. No, I don't think it looked terrible. I don't think it looked as bad as this this bad green screen. This looks like it was from 2013 or something. It's just like I don't know the shadows or something is wrong on the kids, and it just does not look real. No, but they look out, they see the carnival. Graham thinks it's scary. Louise says this feels like Ocean's Eleven, which I've never seen, so I don't know um, what she's referring to. Have you seen Ocean's Eleven? No, but I get the general, you know, heist idea. Oh, I feel like that's something that they would say after they, um, you know, plan the heist or whatever. But whatever. Graham tells the girls that uh, they have the element of surprise, and no one knows that they're there. And they turn around to see Bartholomew standing there, (laughs) which scares the dickens out of him. And he points in, you must be Rachel. I can't imitate his voice. His voice is really cool. He has a really cool voice. Graham asks uh, who he is, and Louise says, that's Bartholomew. And she tells them some features, saying that she saw it in Rachel's drawing. And we find out Bartholomew only has one arm, which I didn't notice at first. So that's okay. Right. He tells the kids... That he's not there to hurt them, and he's there to help them, saying Mr. Top Hat's gotta go. And they ask why they should trust him, and he says that he's got a story to tell. 
And the kids all look at each other, and we cut over to some area where the kids are sitting down, and Bartholomew starts telling them the story about a man named Marcus Cochran, the man with big dreams that turned into nightmares. Fairy tales. More like scary tales. Who knew we were going to get another story inside of a story, Brandon? I was excited. Were you? Yeah. I thought we'd actually get like a nice little 20 minute detour. (laughs) Not really. I call this one the tale of the Marcus. (laughs) (laughs) Akiko stops him saying, okay, look, we love stories, but is there any possible way that you could give us the abbreviated version? I've got a brother and some friends to save. Bartholomew says the story will explain how to save them. So Akiko's all, okay, cool, then proceed. And he gets back to the story saying Marcus came into America with the dream of building a carnival like no one had ever seen. Came into America from where? They don't say. Is it Canada? (laughs) It must be Canada, right? Yeah, uh, probably. Like, he doesn't have an accent. No, I think they want us to believe it's some vague European area or something, but no, it's gotta be Canada, right? Yep. From Canada all the way to Washington. What a trip. (laughs) <laughs> right yeah he he used to live in like the border of uh british columbia and washington and now he just lives in washington oh wait shit he went to idaho never mind <laughs> that changes everything one yeah. state away <laughs> we cut back into the story from the beginning where mr top hat is getting all sorts of pictures taken and he's hyping up his carnival saying that he wouldn't jeopardize his good name by putting people in danger and we cut to a merry-go-round of all of all rides a merry-go-round and bartholomew tells us it's the one he's got It's the one ride, yes. Bartholomew tells us that opening night came, and since he was behind schedule, he didn't have time to test all the rides for safety. We hear the twisting of metal, and Mr. Toppet is cowering his head and covered in dust because the (laughs) merry-go-round broke down. Right. All the rigorous merry-go-round testing just couldn't be done. No. Bartholomew says the merry-go-round collapsed, and a mother, father, and four of their five children died in the accident. Only their youngest daughter survived. Yeah, right? If only he hadn't been in such a rush, and if only he'd taken the time to do things right. We see him drinks his sorrows away in a bar, when up walks a deep-voiced person saying, Marcus Cochran. Top Hat tells him that he's got the wrong dude. The voice tells him that they never get the wrong person, and then asks, What if I said I could get your precious carnival back and it would be bigger than ever? I'm listening. (laughs) I don't. We come back to Luis, who says, let me guess, Marcus Cochran sold his soul to the devil. And Bartholomew is all, how did you know that? Nikiko tells him that this is our area of expertise. Barthy's all fine. And we go to the story where the devil, I guess, uh, tells Mr. Toppet that he'll travel from town to town. And when he leaves, no one will remember that he was even there. And their memories will be wiped clean. Their fears will give him vitality. And he's going to live forever without gaining a wrinkle. Top Hat slaps around a little and says, well, that sounds too good to be true. And he asks what the catch is. And the devil tells him that one day a child would appear who is impervious to his powers. And that child will remember. And that child could be your undoing. What is this? What does he gain from this? There's no, like, okay, living forever, sure. But, like, I don't understand. Like, I get he wants to be, like, a, a carnival owner. And he wants to make people happy. But, like... That's the opposite of what you're doing, so where's the motive? I don't know. The the whole, and they'll forget everything that happened, that's the downside. He was like, w- what's the catch? Like, if he's really interested in, you know, being this big, famous carnival owner, like, that's the catch. Yeah. 
I mean, being what's mortal the point? Or whatever, like that's... I, and why is you? Why is he stealing kids? Like I understand that the show is trying to show us that he steals the kids to like keep up on the um you know maintenance and sh- security of the carnival, but I just don't understand the motivation. Why can't he steal adults? <laughs> yeah, that. And why? Why bother? What, what's the point? You're gonna have know. this. You're gonna have this sweet carnival. Nobody's gonna even know that, or nobody's gonna even remember it. So it didn't even happen. And you're gonna take a kid every now and then. I just don't get it. I don't fucking get it. I don't know. You get to be immortal and just sit in your dumpy little trailer <laughs> and be like, "Yeah, this is mine forever." And, and then one day, like I don't know, seventy whatever years later, a kid's gonna come and ruin it, and you're gonna say, "Oh well." <laughs> a kid's gonna come and remember it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh no. <laughs> like hypothetically, if he wasn't doing evil shit, let's say Rachel remembers it, so what? Yeah. She would just yeah. be like, huh, that was a kind of a lame carnival. <laughs> and then go on with her life. Yeah, he could have had that happen if he wouldn't have stolen some fucking he got greedy. Are you afraid of the dark rule number one when you're a villain? Don't get greedy. <sighs> Brings down the best of them. Yeah. So we cut back to the kids, and Akiko says that, that's a killer twist. And they all kind of look at Rachel, he says, no, what? And Akiko tells her, she's that child. And she tries to deny it, but Graham tells her that she remembered, and you're the one who could stop him. And she stands up asking, why me? And Graham tells her, it's a prophecy. So your destiny is to kill Mr. Topat. We have to win, right? Barthy looks at them all silent-like and says that she's the only one who could defeat him, but nothing is set in stone. Mr. Top Hat won't go down without a fight. One of you will perish tonight. Let's hope it's him and not you. And that's that scene. So, when Bart said, one <laughs> of you will perish, I thought he was talking to the group. Me too, and yeah. he was saying, like, someone here is going to die. And I was like, whoa, this just got real. I know. But no, he was like, he was saying it's either you or him. And I was like, oh, man. Yeah, it's like a Voldemort Harry Potter kind of thing, man. <laughs> I thought the stakes were just risen no, to epic I, proportions. but no. I thought so, too, but it can't be that cool. That would have been so cool. Like, Graham sacrificed his <laughs> life by having to put his hand in, like, a bucket of rats or something. And he was like, Ooh, and then he died. Oh, man. That would have been amazing. But no, no. No, nothing. Nothing like that. <sighs> Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your brother who can drive. Thank you so much for listening in and laughing with us. Whether this is your first episode or you're a longtime fan, we always appreciate you spending some time with us. Are you looking for more laughs? Become a patron today for as little as $1 a month. You'll get instant access to early release episodes the moment I'm finished editing. Higher tiers get more rewards like stickers, shirts, bonus episodes, including horror movie reviews, bloopers, a Patreon-only improv episode, and more. I'd like to thank our current patrons, the Bronze Beth, Eddie, Mia, Tristan, Kaylee, and Venice Witch, the Silver Goth, Shane, Stephen, Matt, Gerilyn, and Brittany, the Golden Day Days, Faith, Sarah, and Angela, and the Platinum Bostics, Bryce, Kathy, Evelyn, and Matt. Thank you so much, everyone. Our show wouldn't be the same without you. If you'd like to be like these amazing people, check out patreon.com slash private island and become a patron today. Give us a follow on Twitter at PRVT Island and Instagram at Private Island Presents. And check out our custom-made content, including handmade gifts and videos, memes, and more. 
We've got new abridged episodes every Sunday, meme Fridays, and join us every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern to watch full-length episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark live on Instagram. For a quick link to all of our socials, the updated merch store, YouTube page, and more, check out the links in our episode description. I'd like to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme Dating Star from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. Thanks again for listening, everyone, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye! In the next scene, Rachel turns around to face all the kids and Bartholomew and asks, how do we stop him? Bartholomew tells her that the hat is the source of the power, and they need to get it and destroy it. Once that's destroyed, Mr. Top Hat will lose his carnival, slaves, and even his good looks. Rachel asks how to destroy it, and Bart looks at the kids like they're stupid, telling them to burn it, since that's the only way to destroy magical talismans. Ness says that he thought that this was their area of expertise. Graham's all, oh, I I knew that part. And Barthy redirects his attention to Rachel, saying, Before the show, Mr. Top Hat will leave his hat in the inner chamber. Use this to unlock the door once you've reached your destination. And he hands hands Rachel the gold scorpion coin. So they don't even have to find it. They just kind of get it handed to them. Mm -hmm. They win the prize. (laughs) We get this little flashback telling us about the coin from the last episode. And Bart smiles, saying that he picked his pocket. Rachel takes a step and turns around to look at, at the kids saying, Mr. Top Hat knows what we look like. How are we going to walk around the carnival without being noticed? And Graham smiles and says, Rachel, you were wondering when you were going to get your own scary mask? And he unzips his backpack and everyone crowds around to look inside. Graham hands Rachel her mask saying, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. For some reason. And she looks at it and she says, let's do this. I like that the masks came back up, but I don't know why he said submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society when he handed her one. Because it's the one Are You Afraid of the Dark thing they have. I know. It's so dumb, though. It's like someone watched one episode of the show. I'm convinced that somebody watched the tale of the Phantom Cab, and they watched the tale of the Ghastly Grinner, and they were like, yeah, I can make a new episode of this. Yeah, I get the gist. (laughs) Exactly. Before they do it, Barthy pulls out a map, and they lays it across a little table, and they ask Bart where they could turn off the rides, and he explains where to go, even though it's marked on the map as control room. Like, he, he's like, first you have to take a left, then take a right, go straight for five miles, take a left. It's really um, extravagant, and uh, I kind of loved it, but also kind of hated it. I don't know what to feel about it. Do you think traveling carnivals have maps like that? Absolutely not. <laughs> I would assume that their like, layouts change depending on where they are. Yeah, this is like blueprints, so <laughs> they have to, I mean, it's like a traveling mystical carnival. They don't have to keep up compliance. It's not like a chain, you know, it's not like a chain store where every aisle has to be the same as it is in, you know, a different part of the country. You know what I mean? It's, <sighs> he tells Rachel these elaborate uh, directions and tells her, to, tells her to remember that the hat's in the inner chamber. The kids all hype themselves up, but Graham doesn't say what he said the last episode, which he wouldn't remember saying, which is rambling, ramblers, let's get rambling, even though he's always wanted to say that line. So why didn't he say it again? I don't know. That would have been actually a good callback. Yeah. I Like, I would have hated it still, but like, I would have appreciated yeah, it's it. It's a dumb line, but if you're going to do it once, come yeah. in. For something that he's always wanted to say, I, I don't I didn't, I don't get why they didn't have him say that again, but you know, whatever. We cut to the entrance of the carnival at night, where all the kids slap down their tickets to the dude that may or may not have eyes, and he tells them nice masks, 
since they're wearing their crackly Midnight Society masks. And Graham tells him, thanks, I designed them myself. And he's about to tell this dude how he made them, but the kids pull him away and they rush into the carnival. So we never get to see this guy without his eyes, right? Right, just in the story, within the story. I thought that was going to come up. I thought he was going to like wink at Graham or something, but maybe that's in like the deleted scene or something. I don't know. We see the kids running around and uh, they commence their distractions. Rachel goes off on her own to check out uh, these two buff clowns standing uh, in front of Mr. Top Hat's trailer. With the other three, Luis looks over at Graham saying that she doesn't mind hanging out with him when she when she's wearing a mask. And in a whole bunch of words, Graham oh, tells her that, dude, why would you say that? I don't know. I don't mind hanging around with you as long as your face is hidden so nobody knows who you are in uh, Idaho where we won't know anybody. Exactly. Graham says a whole bunch more words than necessary to tell her that that hurts his feelings. But they're interrupted by a door opening and some feet walking out. So they spring into action and they enter the control room. Akiko asks what switches they hit because there are just a ton of glowing lights and switches and stuff in here. It's like a James Bond villain's lair. It's a traveling circus. Like it's travel. I don't. Louise tells them all of them. And she turns around and she just gets to work snapping switches off and pushing buttons and shit. It's crazy. We see all the games and rides turn off and over with Graham. He tells Louise that he always thought she was really cool. And she sassily tells him that she didn't know that was up for debate. And he says, no, even when they used to call you losery, I think. Loseries. Loseries, whatever. Worst nickname ever. Stupid, stupid, <laughs> stupid. They could have come up with something better. I don't know what, but she looks at Graham and says what Graham said earlier, but this time saying that she's touched. Like, I knew I should have wrote down what Graham said, but I was just like, I was just annoyed with it. So she's like, I just want you to know that if I was feeling a thing that I was feeling right now, I'd be feeling something about being happy. And it's just like, shut the fuck up. I don't know. Yeah. It's way too many words. That's why I didn't put it. And now I, now I ruined the episode. Their development of their relationship is less annoying than Rachel and Gavin's, but still Louise putting him down constantly and him just being nice to her. And then she does put him down, closer. but like, it's very clear that she likes him, so I don't know. Well, yeah, we knew where this was going to end up. They don't smooch in this episode, though. I don't think anybody smooches in this episode, actually. No. This is Nickelodeon, man. There's no smooching allowed. Whatever. I'm pretty sure there's lots of episodes where I say somebody smooched somebody. That's more than just the mom smooching the forehead. I can't think of a single one. I'm pretty sure that in Dream Girl, he kissed Donna or whatever her name was. Nope. We're moving on. Over with Rachel, those buff clowns get the message to report to the control room. So they move into action, and Rachel takes that opportunity to run into the trailer. She walks past Mr. Tophead's beaded curtain and wonders where the hat is, as she takes off her mask for some reason. She looks at a picture frame with a coin-sized divot in it, so she goes to place the coin in it when we cut back over to the rest of the gang. And they all have their masks off for some reason. The masks were a really cool, like thing to put in this episode right now like i'm glad that they came back up and they had a point but like why just take them off because you paid money for these actors faces uh okay you're gonna get your money's worth all right all right that sounds like you just pulled that one out of your butt but okay akiko asks them to call her phone because it might be in here so they do and instantly we hear it ringing and the kids start looking around for it with rachel she slowly places the coin into the divot and it was actually a hole, and it just got, like, sucks it in. 
And the entire trailer starts to shake like an earthquake is happening. And Rachel just kind of stands there looking around. And a secret door opens up. And Rachel confidently walks over to it. Could you imagine if anyone else found this coin? And they're like, what what do, what do we win? And Mr. Top Ed's like, well, you get to come back to my trailer. And, uh, oh my god. This wall opens up. Dude, I don't even know. It just seemed pointless, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's all very elaborate. Is it even elaborate? I don't know the right words for it, Brandon. I'm not going to lie. I don't know. Stupid. Useless. Stupid. I think it's stupid. Okay. We'll go with that. All right. Back with the other three, Akiko's brother walks into the control room, and he's got clown makeup on. Nikiko calls out Hideo, and Hideo says, hello, Akiko, looking for this. And he holds up her phone, and we see that she's getting a call from Graham. And the kids are all spooked when in walks Adam, who says, you came all this way to see me? I'm flattered. And the two start walking up to the kids, and Hideo is growling for some reason. And then we cut back to Rachel opening up the door. And she looks inside, and there's Gavin. And she calls out, Gavin? And he says, hello, Rachel. You can't stop it. There's a reason you never had friends, Rachel. (laughs) Burn. (laughs) Rachel tells him that this isn't him, and he's under the spell. But he continues saying that they should never have let her into the Midnight Society. And this will be all over soon. Hmm. Rachel asks, what will? And we hear Bartholomew call out, ladies and gentlemen, may I present the star of tonight's show, Rachel. And Rachel looks over to see uh, Bart with a flashlight, and he points it at her as all the lights turn on, and she's on the stage in the big show. Bartholomew then says, for as long as I can remember, this has been a two-man show, but tonight it will become a trifecta. I love that word. What was the two-man show? Like, Mr. Top Hat doing all the action and Bartholomew just introducing him? I think he introduces him and bangs on the keyboard with his one arm. Oh, wicked. Yeah. Rachel starts to back up, but she is grabbed by Mr. Top Hat, who says, Isn't it obvious? This is a trap. And he laughs, and he forces her to wave to the audience, and then says, See, Bartholomew and I have been friends and business partners since the beginning. And we cut back to the story from earlier, where the devil is talking with Mr. Top Hat, and the camera pans over to show us that Bart was there the whole time. Oh, fuck. I trusted him. Yeah, but let's go back to the scene in the bathroom. Hideo sure. gets captured. Akiko has this like supernatural scare happen to her, and they don't question Mr. Top Hat watching them the whole time. No. And Mr. Top Hat's right hand man comes to them and gives them you know this story, and they just believe him. Even I mean, though Rachel's seen him all over the place all the time, she knows he sees things. Yeah, I just don't. I don't understand their, like, naivety, if that's the right word. Like, they're just like, oh, this guy told us a story. Let's believe him. And the coin, you know, the scorpion coin that they made such a big deal of just kind of ended up being nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, it was all an elaborate trick to get her on stage. There are easier ways to do this, I have to believe. He's got a bunch of buff, like, clowns that could have just grabbed her, but... Seriously, you throw enough buff clowns at any problem... <laughs> You can get things done. Top Hat waves his staff and the crowd stop moving. And he says, see, I knew that one day a child would come who would be impervious to my powers. The child would remember. Now, the first time you came to the carnival, you were just like any other kid. And just like any other kid, you forgot the entire experience. But then something wonderful happened. Some part of your subconscious held on to a vision of me. I could feel your fear. It was unique. 
It was different than anyone else. We were connected, and I suspected that you might be the one to come here and challenge me. But I couldn't know for sure. I couldn't know until I saw you again outside of your dreams. You came to the carnival the second time, and I knew it was you. God, this is so this is such like Harry Potter bullshit. So I took your friends, and I built this tent and this carnival right here in your own backyard, because I knew you'd come looking for Gavin. Which means tonight is the night your story ends. And she shakes her head no as he says that it's exciting. And oh, and one more thing. This hat, it uh does make me look great, but it has no power. The power is in the cane. I love that. It then lights up and he waves this it. This hat and the crowd does nothing. My true weakness is this. <laughs> I know, I know. I thought the same thing. Bart tells them that he hopes they're ready for the main event. So what did Bartholomew get out of this deal? He didn't even get his arm back from the devil. No. He gets to be immortal too, I guess. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah. Just hang out at this shitty carnival forever. Oh, I gotta say, by the way, the whole scene that I just said was filled with flashbacks to the first couple of episodes. We get to see um, from Rachel's story that she was the little girl. It's the little girl with the wide eyes, and she walks under like the clown with the stilts like she did in her story, and then it turns into Rachel. So, yeah, I mean, it was her the whole time. That's pretty interesting. So she does have a dad. <laughs> and her mom, she wants her mom to be Lower Bertram. We all do. And, uh, oh, it also shows us that Mr. Top Hat gets the cane from the devil. So, yeah. The top hat was his idea. So, I guess, okay, going back to our complaint from earlier, I mean, he does get this freaking sweet cane that can do anything. So, it's I mean, an that's all right pretty cane. cool. I don't know if I would choose, like, nobody being able to remember me for the cane, but, like, it's a pretty cool cane. I don't even care about the remembering me thing. It's it's entirely the having to work in this carnival forever. Oh, yeah, that, that would suck. It's the deal breaker to me. <laughs> that would be really annoying. What if you get bored? Like, what if you figure out that, man, maybe the carnival life isn't for me? And all you got is a forever carnival and magic stick. Yep, that's it. Rachel is now tied up and gagged, and we look up on the stage, and Akiko, Louise, and Graham are there now, too, as well as Hideo and Gavin. Well, Gavin was always there. I think Adam might be there, too. I don't remember. Top Hat's on stage talking about how everyone likes being tricked by an illusion. It's night. They're going to be witnessing a classic. They're going to put a girl in a box. And we see Graham and Akiko open it up. And Top Hat says that then he's going to saw the girl in half with a chainsaw. And Hideo rubs that shit up as Top Hat laughs a bunch. Rachel That's looks... pretty brutal. Ah, right? Because you know that, like, he's going to fucking cut her in half. Rachel looks for help at Gavin. It, you know what? I got to say, it is really brutal and also... Everybody that's there is going to watch this and then they're never going to remember it again and it's going to be great. Yeah. Rachel looks for help at Gavin, but he just pushes her and Top Hat points saying that girl to be precise. And Rachel gets some flashbacks of her getting that knife from Gavin from the last episode. And she pulls it out of her pocket as Top Hat calls out. If you think this shit is crazy as fuck, just remember, it's all part of no. the... No. But Rachel cuts her bindings free. She runs up and she snatches that jerk's cane and fucking whacks him with it saying, show. <laughs> and the spell on all the kids breaks and Louise calls out, what's going on? And Rachel tells them that they got to go and they all run away. And Gavin asks why she's got Top Hat's cane. Top Hat screams after them. And we cut to commercial. I loved that scene. Pretty great, honestly. So did all like the hold on... All the kids and stuff get broken because she took the cane or just because she smacked it on something? I think it's because she took the cane. Okay. Because, like, spoilers, later on she smacks it on something and, and nothing happens. Yeah. 
So I'm going to go with she took the cane, which like I, I just thought the whole sequence was great. I don't think we well, it's a kid's show, but like not even that, I guess. I, I didn't need the flashback to her getting the knife. Like I kind of remembered she had it and I'm really glad that it came up. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it was going to come up. Yeah. You don't introduce a knife in the first act unless you're going to bring it back. But uh, yeah, I thought it was good. I liked it a lot. I'm glad she got to like fucking smack him with a cane. Do something. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> instead of sit there and stutter yeah yeah so i liked it i was happy with it outside the tent the kids stop for a moment and graham suggests that they hide so they run into the tunnel of love gavin explains the last thing he remembers is giving rachel the knife and going home and akiko tells him that top hat took him and they rescued him they're in idaho graham drove terribly gavin can't believe they're in idaho graham then says okay if we destroy the cane we destroy mr top hat I don't know how he knows that, but whatever. Gavin asks how, and Graham says, well, the only way to destroy a magical talisman is with fire. You didn't know that? That's like common knowledge, dude. Keep up. Well, yeah, that's what Bartholomew told them. That's another thing. Like, how can you trust that fire is going to destroy this magic talisman when Bartholomew told you that, and you guys didn't know that? He just lied to you saying he was a good boy, and then he wasn't. So, like, what makes you think that the fire part's not a lie, too? Nothing. If they watched the tale of many faces, they know that fire didn't stop the punishment book from burning. No, and they should watch that. It's a good episode. <laughs> Pretty good episode. Yeah. <laughs> the tunnel of love bursts to life, and we hear some henchmen call out that they went that way. So the kids run further into the tunnel, and now they're in the foggy room where Rachel saw the coin, and they were attacked by the zombies. Rachel leads the gang further into the smoke, and they stop, and Graham asks if they heard that. And the lights flicker, and the gang then splits up for some reason. Because it's foggy, is, I, the, is the explanation given, but no. They just, like, branch off in five ways, and I don't know why. <laughs> You're all standing next to each other. You wouldn't do that. They're also in, like, shoulder-length water? <laughs> like, they also, went all why out. why did they go in here? They're trying to hide. There are better places to hide. They should have hit on the Ferris wheel. You've got the cane. You don't need to be here anymore. I gotta say, though, this place has a lot of water. It's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Akiko calls out Marco, and then a zombie from behind her. Well, it's not a zombie. It's a clown, but it creeps up behind her, say, Polo, and it grabs her and it drags <laughs> her away. That's the boo of this episode. <laughs> Polo. <laughs> they had to have one. I don't know. With Louise, another, like, water clown zombie thing pops up and snatches her. Now Graham, Gavin, and Rachel are all together. And he asks where Akiko and Louise are. Because they scream. I don't know. The kids call out to them. Then someone pops up from the water behind Gavin and snatches him. Rachel calls out for him, and another dude pops up from the water and laughs, chasing after them. We see him pop up in front of Graham, who gets snatched. And now Rachel's all alone, and she looks around, and we hear Top Hat say that you have a choice, Rachel. You have my cane, but I have your friends. Bring me the cane and I will let them live. You have three minutes. Meet me where we first met. That's a lot to do in three minutes. Yeah. Get out of that neck deep water. Figure out where we first met. I don't know. Yeah. Got three minutes. I don't have time for riddles. Ugh. So Rachel, she gets out of that water and she's outside the tunnel of love now. And she looks at the cane and she just starts bashing it against a metal pipe. But it just bends the pipe, and she screams a whole bunch, and the cane lights up, and she looks at it. She nods, and then she walks away. All right. Are you ready for the grand finale, Brandon? Oh, I'm ready. I like this buildup. I'm not going to lie. Like, I am was happy with this. I don't know why they didn't just snatch Rachel, too, but, like, 
That's okay, whatever. It's now raining outside, and we see all the Midnight Society members being taken to the area where Rachel met Top Hat in the story. And I'm, you know what? First thing, though, Brandon, where's all the people? Because this is an open carnival. Like, they had a crowd. I don't know. Maybe the, he froze the crowd again. <laughs> he couldn't, though. He didn't have the cane. Before she took the cane. Mm. Just before. Okay, maybe. You didn't see it. It was off screen. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anyway, Rachel goes to the area where she met Top Hat in the story when he ate that scorpion from the urn. And Rachel runs up and yells, let my friends go. Top Hat slicks back his hair saying, the girl who remembers. You know, if I'm being frank, I have to admit, as long as I can remember, I've been afraid of you. Uh Uh-huh. The girl who remembers. Way more scary than the boy who lived. Uh... What other, like, humdrum things can people be legendary for? Hmm. The man who slept? Yep, yep. Uh, The girl who ate. (laughs) (laughs) The woman who blinked. Ooh, have you ever... (laughs) That's some Belinda blinked territory right there, Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) My dad wrote a porno. It's great. You guys should listen to it. It didn't occur to me until just now. You're not my enemy. We travel from town to town. I pour my heart out on the stage and no one even knows that I exist. Until you. You remember I exist. We're not so different, you and I, Rachel. Oh my god. I can't believe you said that. What? (laughs) We're not so different, you and I? They are kind of exactly different, aren't they? That's just like the most cliched line any villain could ever utter. Yeah, it is. We both feel alone. We both want to be noticed. We both want to be known. So how about a truce, huh? Yeah? You you give me the cane, and I let your friends go. You go your way, and we go ours. And all you have to do is be sure that everyone remembers me and what I've done. Which is impossible, but... Rachel looks at the cane and asks what this thing can do. Top hat's all, what can it do? With it, I can do anything. I can control anyone. And Rachel smiles, saying, except me. This guy just can't shut up, can he? No, he really doesn't want to live anymore. <laughs> Here's how I don't you can know. obliterate me. <laughs> Just constantly. <laughs> Top Hat scrunches his face in, technically. And Rachel nods, saying, interesting. Then steps forward, saying, you took my friends. You hurt people. I'm I'm not interested in a truce. And she shoves the cane forward a little, and a sonic boom flies out of it. And it blows all the goons away from her friends. All the buff carnival clowns that just couldn't handle the sonic boom. They all run over to stand next to Rachel, all of her friends. And Top Hat commands Bart to get him that cane and rachel screams no and she pushes the cane his way which summons some lightning that hits bartholomew and i guess it fucking kills him like goddamn it's pretty badass (laughs) he gets like struck by a bolt of lightning and he's just a a heaping corpse on the ground (laughs) murdering a man is by far the coolest thing that rachel's done in this entire series pretty dope (laughs) (laughs) oh man the electricity lights up some fires around them as Top Hat laments the loss of Bartholomew. Rachel tells him, I'm not like you. I'm not alone. And she looks over at some fire and then throws the cane over to it. It explodes a bunch, letting off some blue flames. Top Hat drops to his knees and laughs. Rachel asks why he's smiling and he says, because this is something that you'll never forget. And he starts shaking a bunch and his face gets all old and his hair turns gray And then he turns to dust in front of the kids. So, yeah, Rachel just killed two people. (laughs) Yeah. um, This death, I 
feel like could have been done better. Yeah, me too. I feel like it's uh, trying to copy Voldemort's death from um, the last Harry Potter movie. Well, I never saw that, but just comparing it to past Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes, like, the death in The Tale of the Mystical Mirror is a lot more... Oh my gosh, right? A lot more brutal. Yeah, like, it's kind of going for a similar thing, like, he's aging very rapidly and then disappears, but it kind of... He disappears too soon. Yeah, we don't get to he see him He just gets suffer. slightly old, and then he's just gone. Yeah, it's a little, it was disappointing, not gonna lie. For what they could have done, I don't know, like I said, the, like you said earlier in the episode, though, maybe they just kind of ran, ran out of money or something. I don't know. Yeah, it also just doesn't look very good. The rain stops, and Top Hat's dust particles blow away. <laughs> the kids all laugh and celebrate. <laughs> As Adam and Hideo come walking out of a nearby tent. Akiko gives him a hug, and Adam says that he's very confused. And the camera circles around the gang as Graham says that he can't believe Rachel burned that cane since she could have had anything she ever wanted, like fame and glory, a private island, or lifetime supply of Parmesan cheese. But Rachel tells the gang that she's already got everything she ever wanted. And they all kind of laugh a little, and she says, come on, let's go home. And Rachel and Gavin walk hand in hand as Graham bitches about not having any hand sanitizer. Alright, we cut over to a werewolf, which is uh, chasing a girl, you know, it was the same girl from uh, Akiko's movie from before that was getting chased by a zombie, but it's interrupted by somebody honking and Hideo gets out of his car as the guy that honked asks, what the hell's going on? (laughs) The man who honked. Stop it, he's gonna become the next new Ari Fae the Dark character. (laughs) Hideo tells him that he's gonna have to wait till the director is done, and the guy's all director... These are my students. And we hear Akiko call, cut, moving on. And Hideo walks up to her as she says, keep this up and I'll bump you up from associate producer to co-producer. Hideo doesn't know what that means, so Akiko tells him that she really appreciates his help. They have a little What Are Big Brothers For moment, and Akiko gets handed a coffee from from some kid and walks over to see Graham and Louise sitting in producer's chairs. And Graham's got his laptop saying that I wrote this for Akiko's movie. And we hear some music playing, and he asks what Louise thinks, and she says, honestly, it rules. From behind them, we see Rachel walking out of the gas station with a smoothie, and she walks up to Gavin, who is the one in the werewolf makeup, and she says, looking good, Teen Wolf. And she holds up a magazine good saying, one. look at this. And the front page says that it's the Domestic Inquisitor, and it's got a picture of two girls on the cover that says, missing kids reappear. None of them has aged a day. How long have they been gone? Well... A couple of years, at least, because it's insinuating it's the two girls from the, oh, from the right, story. Right, right. So, she's in high school now, so I guess they're just in middle school still. Bummer. And they're still mean girls, so... I'd like to think they were humbled by their kidnapping. Gavin says that seems far-fetched, and Rachel sarcastically says, yeah, who would believe it? Then he asks her if she has any plans Saturday night, to which she says, I got something at midnight, but I can't talk about it. He says, ooh, sounds secretive. Then she asks if he remembers when they were going to kick her out of the group. Because she just wanted to bring that up again. I don't know. Gavin's all, we were going to kick you out? She sa- and she tells him that she's not sure, but it was kind of open-ended. But you were going to have a vote. Gavin tells her, huh. Yes, we know. Like, you will not shut up about it. I know. Wonder how that's going to turn out. And she says, guess we'll never know. We cut to midnight, where Rachel walks up to the meeting spot. The kids are all there, and they look at her as she takes her seat, and she asks, what? Nikiko tells her, it's time for the vote. Rachel's all, vote? Nikiko tells her, it's to see if she can stay in the group. 
Gavin says, who's in favor of Rachel staying in the Midnight Society. And Rachel looks sad as all of her friends dramatically look around until each of them hold up their hand, then laugh, saying, we got you. Luis is all, why would we kick you out? You're the best thing to happen to this group. Graham says, accurate, but we can never do this again, okay? Luis gives him a compliment and says, and he says, thanks. Luis then says, something in our little adventure stuck out to me. Why Rachel? Why was she the one destined to stop Mr. Top Hat? Kiko and I have been doing some research. The tragedy of Marcus Cochran's carnival turned one little girl into an orphan. Her name was Alice Hooper. Kiko tells the gang that she was Rachel's great-great-grandmother. And Rachel looks around in wonder. And Graham says, wait, so this little girl became an orphan because of Mr. Top Hat? And then her descendant ended up defeating him? Luis is all, pretty much. Yes, that's what we Grams just said. Graham thinks that's an awesome twist. I thought it was a little forced. Yeah, it all is. That is something that they really should have um, put in the first episode, I think. Not the, th- the beginning of the third episode. You know? Which part? The part where uh, Mr. Top Hat killed some people in his carnival and, and one little girl survived. Like, having that be, like, the beginning of the whole series and then, oh, it explains it at the end. You guys forgot. Gotcha. I mean, if you have to have that in there at all, but I think that that whole thing's unnecessary. Yeah, they didn't really need to explain why Rachel, you know, she can just be the girl who remembered. (laughs) She's got a scar of a brain on her head. Gavin then says, this sucks. How's my story supposed to live up to that? Rachel leans over and says, no pressure, Gavin. But I was kind of wondering if you'd be any good at this, which is funny. He tells her, oh, this is me at my best. Just you wait. And he stands up saying, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story the return of the ghastly grinner boo (laughs) oh these kids don't know who the ghastly grinner is first of all second of all i don't think this series has earned that that callback 100 percent agree yeah it was just to be like here's a thing from the old thing yeah and it's as far as i know the only thing from the old thing because i didn't see anything yeah pretty much it made me wonder, like, are they trying to tell us that one of these kids is related to Betty Ann? Because, you know, Betty Ann would be like, dog, I told this dope one about a ghastly grinna. <laughs> Not sure that didn't happen. Yeah, I don't that's know. exactly what Betty Ann would say. I don't know, man. I don't know. Whatever. They kind of hear some rustling and a dog growls and they wonder where that's coming from because it's like all around them. And Rachel points saying, guys, over there. And then a dog comes running up to their spot, followed by Adam calling Jefferson. And he stops and he looks at the gang asking what they're all doing there. Rachel looks around at the gang saying, uh, and Louise nods at Rachel, followed by Akiko with a smile, then Gavin. And Rachel stands up and looks at Adam. She takes a step and says, so Adam, do you like scary stories? No. The end. <laughs> uh, not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> I just like chasing my dog around. At midnight. <laughs> I just like to take my dog over long bolt rides to get to some random ass part in the woods. <laughs> at and then midnight. question why people are there at midnight. <laughs> what are you doing out here? Oh my god. Um, I gotta say, I like the ending where they're like including Adam though. I thought that was a really nice touch. Well yeah, I liked that part because I like Adam. He's still the greatest. He's the goat. <laughs> yeah. Mostly because he didn't have enough dialogue to make me hate him, I think. Yeah, that's probably what it is. But that's that's it, man. That's the Carnival of Doom. We're we're done with it. Season yep. eight, 
in air quotes is over i gotta say brandon not a huge fan like I'm, i I think it's probably my least favorite out of everything are you afraid of the dark you know as like a season as a season sure it is better than single episodes of the older series for sure yeah but like i don't think i'm gonna watch it again i think i got my fill of it um it was it was fun the biggest problem is like it seems like the people that made it they saw phantom cab they saw the opening part of phantom cab where frank gets introduced to the midnight society and they took a popular poll and seen that everybody loved ghastly grinner and they were like, yeah, we can make a series out of this. It doesn't seem like it's made by huge fans of the old series, or at the very least, if it is, they're not like beholden to the, you know, references and yeah. Easter eggs and stuff. And, you know, you don't need that to tell a good story. But on no. the other hand, it also feels like this doesn't need to be Are You Afraid of the Dark? That's that's what it is, I think. You know... We just got done watching all 91 episodes of the original run of the show. And one of the really fun and cool things about the show is that they added things from past episodes in it. I mean, right. you look at dark music and you can see the hand in the jar from Phantom Cab. Um, the potion from Dark Dragon is in the cabinet in Mystical Mirror. Um, Sardo, you know, Vink. I mean, come on, they're in multiple episodes. There's just all these, and Zebo. I mean, Zebo gets mentioned in every single season besides six and seven. So that was always a part of the show's DNA. Yeah, like Ron Oil's tombstone. Like, there's so many things that they put in multiple episodes, and that, like, it's not a shining part of Are You Afraid of the Dark, but it's one of those things that you notice and you love, and it's kind of like it's kind of a big part of Are You Afraid of the Dark, you know? It's one of my favorite parts of Are You Afraid of the Dark, for sure. Yeah, so to have an episode only just mention Ghastly Grinner, kind of, is like, okay, where's where's Zebo? Where's Sard? Like, I mean, you don't have to have Sardo or, Z- or Vink or anything like that, but, like, you're in a carnival, you're not going to put the Crimson Clown, you're not going to put Zebo. you're not going to mention it, you know, it's just... So when Gavin said, I call this the tale, the return of the ghastly grinner or whatever, and then they immediately heard a noise, Yeah, I thought, like, the ghastly grinner was going to pop out and they were all going <laughs> to look at the camera and be like, oh, not again. That would have been amazing. And just be like, every time they tell a story, it comes to life. <laughs> that would have been so stupid, but I would have been all for it. would have been very stupid, but I would have loved it. They couldn't, though, because Ron Oliver still owned the rights to ghastly grinner. But, yeah. I mean, that's not the point. No, they wouldn't have done it anyway. <laughs> no. I don't know if I have much left to say about this episode. The miniseries, it's okay. Yeah. I, I, I didn't hate it. I don't think that you shouldn't watch it. I think it's still fun. I mean, the characters might, might not be as enjoyable. The There was a lot of missed opportunities and stuff, but, like, it's not bad. No. What do you think the moral of the story is, Brandon? Pooh. Uh, I mean, the actual moral of the story is to test your merry-go-rounds. Oh, for sure. Thoroughly. Yeah. You don't want any accidents like that. Ugh. I think another big, big moral of the story is don't go into gas station bathrooms. Yeah. Or rest stop bathrooms. They're going to be If gross. you can help it. They're going to be covered in scorpions, okay? And you don't want to deal with that. Bathroom scorpions are just one of those things that, you know, you deal with it if you have to, but you try to avoid it. Yeah. Idaho bathroom scorpions. Ugh. Walk your dog at midnight? <laughs> <laughs> Exclusively. <laughs> right. That's all I got, I think. Uh, maybe don't steal police cars. Nah, that's not a good one. Yeah, try not to. That's all I got, Brandon. Let's move on. <laughs> all right. That's it. 
So we're done with the Carnival of Doom. Let's give it a new name, shall we? All right. I think I know exactly the perfect name, but I want to see if you're going to say it first. I'm not. Okay. The Tale of the Girl Who Remembers. Fuck, that is what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew. You should have said it. God. <laughs> We've known each other for too long. Yeah. Thankfully, this friendship's almost over. <laughs> Six more episodes. Six more episodes, and that's it. <laughs> The Tale of the Devil's Deal. Oh, I like the alliteration. Thanks, I literally just came up with it. Like, as I was saying, devil. The Tale of the Bathroom Scorpions? I don't know. <laughs> okay, you know what? We don't have to do this, Brandon. It's too hard. We can move on. Tale of the Useless Coin. Yes, <laughs> Useless Coin. So prominent in the episode, yet so useless. Eh. Are you ready to find out what we're doing next, Brandon? Yeah, what are we doing next? So up next, Brandon, is the newest season of Are You Afraid of the Dark. It just came out this year. It just ended, like, last week. So we are, yeah, like, this is going to be hot shit. (laughs) (laughs) Fresh off the press. Yeah, it's coming in hot. Hot takes. Fresh off the press. This is new content. It's going to be Are You Afraid of the Dark's, I mean, ninth season slash second season uh, the Curse of the Shadows, and uh, I'm excited, Brandon. I'm excited. Hopefully, we can find a way to watch it. But I'm excited to watch it. But I gotta say, Curse of the Shadows is perhaps the most generic name I can think of. I think that Carnival of Doom is pretty generic too, though. Like I would argue, more generic. I don't know about more generic, <laughs> but similarly generic. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Curse of the Shadows. So we did um, that interview with the executive producer, JT Billings, and he hyped it up pretty good. And I got to say, just from that, I'm pretty excited. Uh, for yeah, this season. I'm pumped. And I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be pretty awesome. Um, the first episode, there's six parts to this one. So after all of this is done, we will have covered all 100 episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? The first episode is called The Tale of the Haunted Woods. So they're going back to The Tale of the... How fucking sweet is Which that? Which is a good sign already. Uh, yeah, it's, this isn't fucking destroy all top hats. It's the tale of the... Destroy all top hats. That is a terrible name. Like, Oh my god, I know. Even uh, ignoring the fact that it's, you know, not the same as the old ones. It's just bad. It is. There's only one top hat. I gotta say, though, she fucking destroyed everybody, though. She was like, Bartholomew fucking lightning! So... Flippendo! <laughs> fucking God's wrath! <laughs> <laughs> And his eyes melted. It was crazy. Anyway, back to <laughs> back to Curse of the Shadows. First episode, Tale of the Haunted Woods. What do you think it's going to be about, Brandon? Some haunted-ass woods. These are going to be spooky woods. Okay, so we already know from talking with JT that the Midnight Society is going to meet at, like, a, was it an abandoned ship or something cool like that? So, I don't know. Maybe there's just some haunted woods. Yeah, I mean, you gotta have woods in there. Mm-hmm. You've seen the trailers. You know that the villain is like the Shadow Man or whatever, right? Yeah. What do you think of the design of him? I think he looks pretty fucking sweet. Uh, from what little I've seen, it looks good. He looks like the zombie from Dead Man's Float. Inspired by, yeah, because that's, uh, that's a good looking monster. It is. I think in this episode, we're going to do the basics. We're going to meet the Midnight Society. We're going to kind of kickstart the whole, like, I don't know, curse. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be some kind of haunted woods. Yes, a little bit of curse action, perhaps. 
some sardo i think is back in this episode so do you think anybody in this first episode utters the words submitted for the approval of the midnight society Ooh, i that's call a good this question. story i i think it depends on if we get to see the kids go to um, um a meeting which i would ath- i'd assume that they will so i don't know that's a good i question. think they will do you think anybody's gonna say it's all part of the show? If they do, you turn it off. Done. Yeah, <laughs> we're just gonna be like, that's it. New show. I'm just gonna be really honest with you. I can't wait. I'm so looking forward to this. I think it's gonna be fantastic. Yeah, should be good. I think it's gonna be movie quality. I think it's gonna be spooky. I think it's gonna be awesome. Well, I'm going to remain hopeful. Let's do it. I let's just let's fuck this week. Let's just time travel. <laughs> Get this over with. <laughs> Just watch it right now Let's and do live it. discuss it. You got to go to bed, Brandon. You've been up all night. I've been up all night. I only got like six hours of sleep. I'm ready to go back to sleep. Are you out of here? I'm yeah, out of here. That sounds great. All right. Well, we're done here, you guys. That was a lot of fun. Carnival of Doom down. Curse of the Shadows up next. And then, well. Friendship over. Yep. Boom. Done. <laughs> All right, I'm out of here, you guys. Bye, Brandon. Bye. Marcus Cochran.